invite you to stand together as we look together at a portion of Scripture this morning from the book of James, chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. And I ask that we join together in reading in unison. Therefore, with humility, set aside all moral filth and the growth of wickedness, and welcome the word planted deep inside you, the very word that is able to save you. You must be doers of the word, and not only hearers who mislead themselves. Those who hear but don't do the word are like those who look at their faces in a mirror. They look at themselves, walk away, and immediately forget what they were like. But there are those who study the perfect law, the law of freedom, and continue to do it. They don't listen and then forget, but they put it into practice in their lives. They will be blessed in whatever they do. And the Word of God for the people of God. Thank you. You may be seated. The words I want to share this morning uh, were prepared primarily with our confirmands in mind. You're our primary focus today. And so I'm going to be speaking to the folks that are in the first six or seven rows here, but I invite all of us hopefully to listen in because I believe that this passage has something important to say to every single one of us, whether or not we are the confirmands or whether we've been a Christian all our life. So I invite all of you to listen in. Confirmands, I want to say... I want to speak three things into you right now. And I want you to listen very carefully. They're very different messages. The first. You are an amazing, wonderful, incredible child of God. Your Heavenly Father loves you. His, his desire is that your life experience all of the joys and happiness and the meaning and the purpose that he has planned for you. And he loves you beyond measure. Second thing. You are an evil and despicable and disgusting person. Your life is worthless. You'll never amount to much of anything. Nobody cares a thing about you, and we wish you would go away. There is no God. There is no hope. Everything that you have heard and been taught about God is a lie. I just planted three very different messages into you. The one that you decide to embrace 
is the one that will determine the direction of your life from this moment on. To be clear, the one that I believe about you was the first one that I spoke. But what matters? What matters is which of those you make your own. Our passage this morning gives us some extremely important instructions about life. James encourages us to do something, and I want to draw attention to it right now. As a matter of fact, guys, look at your bulletin, look at that scripture, and I want you just to look at this line, and all of us be good to do the same thing. James says this, Welcome the word planted deep inside of you. For the last several months, to you confirmands, for the last many years, for the rest of you as a church, we have been planting the word of God into you. It's a word of truth, it's a word of hope, it's a word of love, it's a word of salvation, it's a word of the meaning of life, it's a word of forgiveness, and that word intentionally and deliberately has been planted into you. And our hope is that you will welcome that word Embrace that word so that that word, above all other words, will become the most influential, the most important, the most life-defining words working inside of you and directing your life. In just a moment, some of you are going to come up here and you're going to kneel and you're going to be confirmed. We're going to lay hands on you. And we're going to acknowledge your decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And this is going to be the first really official way of you welcoming that word that has been planted deeply in you. The rest of you, maybe you did this a long time ago, so I invite you to think about how you are welcoming that word, embracing that word, and living out that word yourself. But guys, before I invite you up here, I want you to think about what that means, what James means when he says, welcome the word that is planted deep inside of you. What's that mean? James is pretty clear. I just want to say two things about his instructions. First is this. To welcome the word means... To set aside all moral filth and the growth of wickedness. Now think about this. The word that has been planted into you, it's beautiful, it's powerful, it's true, but it's fresh, it's young. It hasn't had an opportunity to have roots that run deep. And there are all kind of influences in the world that would love more than anything else to uproot that word that is planted in you. 
And one of the things that it is able to do that more than any other is immorality and a life of sin. You see, evil and wickedness love to choke out that word that has been planted in you. So the instructions is this. Set that aside before it even has an opportunity to take root. Now, you guys are 12 years old, give or take a year or two. You really haven't yet had to deal with the lure of temptation the call of immorality on your life. But I need to tell you, it's coming. It's a reality. And the older you get, the more you're going to have to deal with it. And I would be very irresponsible, we would all be irresponsible if we didn't warn you about that. And if you don't believe that immorality, the lure of temptation, if you don't believe that that sometimes tries to interfere with life and the decisions you make, ask all the other people sitting out here because they've dealt with it, they're dealing with it now. It's a reality. Now, I think it's interesting when James talks about this, when he talks about immorality, he chooses the word filth to describe it. Now, that's intentional. That's very important. You see, immorality and sin often presents itself as glamorous, as exciting, as enticing, as fun. But don't be fooled. It is filth. And would like nothing more than to disrupt that word that's been planted in you. Now, think about filth for just a minute. Suppose I gave you some clothes that were filthy. Now, I don't mean they got some grass stains, that kind of thing. I mean they are downright filthy. I mean they've got slimy green stuff growing on them, and they smell horrible, and there's like bacteria all in them, and they are disgusting. You can hardly want to even touch them. Now, suppose I take those clothes, and I say, I want you to wear these clothes to school next week. Would you do it? No. Why? Because they're filthy. And you know that filthy doesn't have any place in you. Suppose I give you a glass of water to drink, but before I give it to you, I take some stuff and I just pour all kind of goo and nasty stuff in that water, and there's, there's uh, little germs growing in there and stringy stuff, slimy stuff. It smells really, really gross. Are you going to drink it? No. Why? Because you understand filth. Listen, James uses that word because he wants us to understand that immorality, however it presents itself, as glamorous or fun or exciting, however it presents itself, it is always filth, and it's always designed to disrupt, to interfere with, to deteriorate that word that is planted in you. Several years ago, a songwriter wrote a poem and put it to music. Uh, It's about a snake. Maybe you've heard this. On her way to work one morning, down the path alongside the lake, 
A tender-hearted woman saw a poor half-frozen snake. His pretty colored skin had been all but frosted with the dew. Poor thing, she cried. I'll take you in, and I'll take care of you. Take me in, tender woman. Take me in for heaven's sake. Take me in, tender woman, sighed the snake. She wrapped him all cozy in a comforter of silk and laid him by her fireside with some honey and some milk. She hurried home from work that night, and soon as she arrived, she found that pretty snake she'd taken to had been revived. She clutched him in her arms. You're so beautiful, she cried, but if I hadn't brought you in by now, you might have died. She stroked his pretty skin again and kissed and held him tight. Instead of saying thanks, the snake gave her a vicious bite. I saved you, cried the woman, and you've bitten me, but why? You know your bite is poisonous, and now I'm going to die. Oh, shut up, silly woman, said the reptile with a grin. You knew darn well I was a snake before you took me in. That's how sometimes a life of sin, immorality, works and acts in our life. Listen, the Christian, the follower of Jesus, for that word to grow in you, you've got to take that and you set it aside because you know that the harm that it can do. Well, the second thing I want to tell you about what it means to welcome this word is this. James lets us know that to welcome the word means to decide to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer of the word. Now, you think about your confirmation experience. Up to now, most of the confirmation has been you hearing the word. You've heard about God's love and his plan through Jesus Christ. You've heard about how he forgives sin. You've heard about his plan for salvation. You have heard about how important it is to worship. You've heard about how important it is to serve others. You've heard a lot of things. Welcoming the word means taking that next step of doing the word. Now, to make this point, James uses an illustration that is kind of a little difficult at first to understand what he's trying to say But let me see if I can't take a stab at it. James says, Those who hear but don't do the word are like those who look at their face in a mirror. They look at themselves, they walk away, and they forget what they look like. Now, that seems kind of strange to me. I mean, how how can you just walk away from a mirror and forget what you look like? Well, we've got to remember that in the first century, uh, which James was writing, Mirrors were pretty crude objects. They weren't very fancy. It was like a, just a, a crude metal of, a sheet of metal over a, a piece of glass, but it really didn't give a very good image. Matter of fact, most people never seen a mirror. If you were wealthy, you might have a mirror or two, but most folks, they might look at their image in a mirror once or twice, maybe in their entire lifetime. So it makes sense here what James is saying. He says, listen, the person who's a who is a hearer of the word but not a doer, is like that. They hear the word of God, 
And in the hearing of the word, they get this image of who they're supposed to be, who they are as followers of Jesus. And yet they walk away, and after a while, they completely forget what the, the person they are supposed to be, and they don't do the word, they don't put the word into practice. They don't live according to who they're supposed to be. Let me ask you, what do you think they're more of in this world, hearers or doers? There's a whole lot more hearers than there are doers. And here's why. It's real easy to hear, love those that persecute you. But it's really hard to do that. It's real easy to hear, forgive one another. But it's something altogether different and much harder to do that. But I promise you, doing the gospel, putting it into practice, is what's going to help you grow and mold and shape you into the person that God has created you to be. And so I encourage you this morning, as you come up here and as you are given us an indication that you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, it's your way of saying, I not only hear what Jesus says, but I'm going to devote the rest of my life as best as I can to doing what what Christ wants me to do, living the way he wants me to live. And I promise you, if you'll devote yourself to doing the gospel and not just hearing it, you're going to discover that that word planted in you is going to grow and grow and grow and it's going to be strong, and it's going to carry you through the rest of your life, whatever that's involved. So I say to you, and I say to all of us, welcome the word that is planted deep inside of you. And just so there's no misunderstanding, back to what I said at the very beginning, You are an amazing, beautiful, incredible child of God. God has amazing things in store for you. God wants you to experience the full measure of His love and His grace. And all the things that you have been taught about God, they are true. And He is real. And there's no greater truth in all the world than knowing Him and devoting your life to Him.